Hi there, this is Susan Hager. I'm a member of Grand Point Church, and I want to share a little bit of my testimony about the last year in 2019. Um, a lot of, and before I forget, thank you. Thank you, everybody in this church and all over the community for your prayers, for my husband's health, for me as his caregiver. Uh, you have no idea how much that means to me. But um, I just want to share a little bit about my experience, our experience, Jeff and I's experience at Hershey Medical Center. He was admitted for his first round of chemo April the 4th, 2019. And we were back and forth to Hershey every three weeks. He would be home for a couple of weeks and then we would go back for almost a week. And this happened up until um, November the 1st, but in October, uh, 19th, it was October 19th, it was a Friday night, he went to the intensive care unit and by the weekend they had intubated him because he had a will to live and they knew that he needed more care than they could give him on the seventh floor, not to take anything from the seventh floor, they just wanted him in intensive care because his kidneys were failing and he was having trouble breathing. So. Um, from October the 19th to November the 1st, we were in the intensive care until God took him home. Um, but while we had our first meeting with the palliative care doctor, the intensive care doctor, Dr. Susan, Dr. Dan, uh, my friends Lynn and John were in there with me, my son Andrew was at home, and I had no idea what they meant when they said we needed a family meeting. So when we had this meeting, Dr. Susan, palliative care, said to me, do you remember what Jeff said when we very first met him? And I said, no, I don't think I do. And he said, do you remember that he said he did not want to be a burden to his wife? And I said, yes, I do, but he's not going to be a burden. He's going to get well. And she said, I don't know if you know this or not, but you have been a hero on the seventh floor and the intensive care unit. And I said, why? My husband's the hero. It certainly isn't me. And she said, no, you have no idea how many people you have touched just through your faith. You never wavered. You were there every day. You were his biggest advocate, his best cheerleader. And you just have no idea the amount of lives that you impacted. And I remember Pastor Lawrence saying about, you know, Jesus said go. He didn't say go where. He didn't say go to Hershey, go to Greencastle. He just said go and witness, you know, go tell people about me. So that really stuck with me. And then on our second um, palliative care family meeting, Don and Donna Drury with, were with me. And at that time, I guess she called Pastor Lawrence. So Pastor Lawrence and Penny came up. And we decided that, you know, he had been fighting enough and it, it, was, it was time, you know. And I was praying that God would give me a miracle. He would sit up and we would walk out of that medical center. Or I had to pray for complete peace because I know he was in pain. So after we came out of that meeting, Pastor Lawrence and Penny were in the lounge with me. And Pastor Lawrence said, Susan... Maybe Hershey was your witness ground. Maybe that's where you were to share. But Dr. you know, when Dr. Susan told me that I was a hero, that people just watched my faith and watched Jeff and people would pray with us, we prayed. I just, you know, I can't tell you enough. I can't tell you just how much that meant. So 
anyway, you know, if there's any doubt in your mind that there isn't a God, there is a God because my husband is free from pain. I miss him dearly. And um, I just know that if it wouldn't be for the power of Jesus Christ, I would not be able to get through my daily life. Thank you for your time. to all of you in the viewing audience today. Uh, I don't know where you are. Uh, maybe you're in Chambersburg, Shippensburg, a little bit farther away, maybe some other place in the world, but I hope that you're enjoying some of the great weather uh, that is just kind of hanging around Chambersburg right now. Hey, I want to just begin this morning by reminding us who we are. We, all, we identify ourselves as the church, Grand Point Church, and here we go. Let me remind you what that is because if we don't know what church is, uh, there's a good chance that we're going to get it wrong. So here we go. We said this before, but church is not a building that you go to. It is not an event that you attend or sleep through. It is a movement that you belong to. And if you're a part of a movement, that simply that means that you're moving. And I just want to take this moment to thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for moving with us all the way through this pandemic, through this COVID season. It is a different way of life. It's a different way of ministry. And I just want to thank you so much for everything that you've been doing uh, with the patience and understanding and moving together. Now, if you have not seen the Wednesday um, uh, video that announced a little bit of, of our regathering plans, I invite you to go back and watch that. Uh, there is certainly an uptick in questions and uh, inquiries about when we are going to start gathering again. And we attempted to give you a big overview of that plan. Now, what's going to happen this week, beginning tomorrow, uh, Monday morning, is there will be some additional meetings where we begin to work out all the details, and we'll pass those on to you as soon as they're there. But we want you to be informed, and we want you to, be st to stay with us because God is doing some great things in this time, and uh, it'll be a great regathering uh, when we come back. Most of you know that uh, we have four values that drive our ministry here at Grand Point Church. That means that there are four things that we think are extremely valuable to us. Uh, they are so important to us that we, we make all of our decisions based on those. And one of those values is we value God's truth more than our opinions. Uh, opinions abound. I mean, opinions are everywhere. They always have been, not just during this COVID season, but all times there's a lot of opinions. Now, I'm very cautious about using the Urban Dictionary uh, for definitions, but the Urban Dictionary gave two uh, great definitions of opinion. Number one, opinion is a person's thought or idea that may seem truthful in their eyes, but may not be in someone else's. In other words, it's a personal view. But the other definition that I like is this. Opinion is usually the biased twisting of facts based on someone's viewpoint. And both of those uh, definitions have a lot of truth to them. Now, when we look at that 
at those definitions, we're like, wow, that cannot drive, opinion cannot drive our ministry at Grand Point Church. Because if we allow opinion to drive our ministry, we will be on movement, but the movement will be in a circle. Uh, we, and, and circles don't really take you anywhere. And movement, the movement that we want to be on is upward. It is outward. It is forward. So that simply means that we need something more than opinion uh, to base our ministry on. And we have discovered that the truth of God's word, the absolute certainty of God's word, is the better choice. We have not found anything else that is as trustworthy, that has never been proven wrong, that changes lives like the Word of God. So the Word of God has become our standard. It is higher than, more valuable than, uh, greater than uh, our opinions. And that simply means that literally we live and operate under the authority of God's Word. Now, I realize today that not everybody might be convinced that God's word is absolute, and I'm not arrogant enough to believe that I can totally change your mind in the next 20 minutes. But what I would like to do is invite you just to listen in to a great story from the book of Acts, uh, chapter 8, that may just serve as an invitation for you to examine the scriptures for yourself and uh, just make your decision based on that examination. So the story I want to tell you is found in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. And what's going on here in this scripture is that one of the leaders in the church of Jerusalem was called by God to go to Samaria. Now, Samaria was this amazing place. It was happening. Lots of things were going on in Samaria. Lots of people were there. And Philip, the guy that God called to go there, goes to Samaria and he is knocking it out of the park. He's preaching and he's teaching and people are responding to it and they're coming to know the Lord and the church is growing and he's loving what he's doing. He's loving his job because he's good at it. And then God calls him and reassigns him to go to a desert. That's kind of a bummer. That's like God saying to me, Lawrence, I want you to leave sunny Lancaster County where your ministry is going great, where your family lives and where your uh, friends are, and I want you to go to the desert of Chambersburg. I'm still bitter about that one. Obviously, you know that I'm not. Uh, God's call to Chambersburg, to the desert of Chambersburg, was one of the best things that ever happened to us, so I'm not bitter about it. In fact, you know, it, it was a great move for us, and I still thank God uh, many different times for those two people, Larry and Randy, that were so persistent uh, in, a, in making us come here or inviting us to come here. Now, if I were called to go to Winnet, Montana, total population of 506 people, I may object to that and try to argue my way out of it. But when God called Philip to leave the happening place of Samaria and go to a desert place, the desert of Gaza, he did not object at all. He did not try to argue his way out of it. In fact, he's like, yes, I'll go. So Acts 8 verse 27 says this. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, eunuch an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Now today, Ethiopia is a very small country, but in this particular time, Ethiopia was like all of Africa, uh, just south of the Nile River. So it was like all of this area. It was a large area, and this guy that Philip meets was the treasurer over that whole area. This was a very important dude. This was a powerful guy. Now, he was a eunuch, which means that he was castrated. So, so if you're going to work in the palace with the queen, they, they did this to make sure that there was no uh, kind of frisky ideas going on here. That's how they took care of it. Now, 
If you want more details about that, you just email cshute at grandpoint.church, uh, and he'll tell you about that. But anyway, for some reason, uh, this Ethiopian eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. There were a lot of religions in Ethiopia. In, in, yeah, in Ethiopia. They worshiped things like the sun. They worshiped animals. And, but this guy had, uh, had some sense that maybe there was something more to it than that. He's like, oh, God, th th this creation of the sun and the, the stars and the animals, that's all wonderful, but I'm not sure that that is the very source of life. There was something that he was seeking. So he went uh, to Jerusalem where he heard about God. And in, that, in verse 28 says, on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. I'm not sure if that's where I would tell you to start reading the Bible, but that's where he started. And verse 29, the, the Spirit told Philip, now watch this, the Spirit told Philip, go over to that chariot and stay near it. I don't know how the Spirit said this to Philip. In fact, it doesn't even tell us in the text. But one of the things that you will find in the book of Acts is that the Holy Spirit prompts or speaks to people in many different ways. When you read the book of Acts, you will read the Holy Spirit said or the Holy Spirit sent. And we don't know how that works, but it did. Now, this might be a great time to remind you of the key verse of the entire book of Acts, which we uncovered in the very first message in this series. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You might even want to say it along with me right where you are today. But here's what the verse says. It says, you will receive power when? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and the result is you will be my witnesses. That's exactly the recipe for the church. That is exactly the recipe for your life. That's what makes you effective. That's what makes you a witness. You will receive power when the Spirit comes on you, and when the Spirit comes on you, you will be my witness. Now, here is the amazing thing about that. I love that about that, this verse. The Spirit of God knows the heart. Right? He knows if that person over there is lonely, and he will prompt you to go over and meet her. The Spirit of God knows who needs encouraged today, and he will prompt you to make that phone call, send that note to encourage somebody. The Spirit of God knows when there is a heart that is prepared for the gospel, and he will place you or send you right into the path of that person so that you might be able to have an opportunity to talk to them about Christ. This is exactly how this works. The, spirit, the power of God will come on you when the Spirit inhabits you, and then you will be my witness. He will ask you to go over and speak to somebody about Christ. So here's my question for you today and for me. Do you know and do you walk with the Holy Spirit in this way? Are you aware of how the Holy Spirit speaks to you? One of the questions that I get asked quite often is, how do I know? How do I know if this is God speaking to me or how do I know if this is my idea? Well, my answer is the same. Uh, there may be more than just three ways, but there are three ways that I, I unpack this idea of God speaking. God will speak to us through his word. He does. Sometimes when we're reading the word of God, all of a sudden there's this message that jumps out to us, and it's like, that's exactly what I needed today. And we're going to see how God speaks to his word a little bit later as we uh, uncover this or unpack the story of the Ethiopian reading the scripture. And then there's times when God speaks to us through other people. For example, if I come up to you and I say, and I challenge you to become a circle leader, and you go home and you keep thinking about it and it kind of, kind of just like works into your heart and into your bones, that might be God using me to challenge you uh, to do something that he wants you to do. And then there's other times that God just speaks to us by this 
by this prompting of his spirit within us. There's this idea that comes into our hearts, into our minds, and it doesn't leave, and it's compelling, and it causes us uh, to action, and it causes us to testify. See, when God calls us to witness, he doesn't want us to do it for him. He wants us to do it with him. And when God came to Philip and asked him to go speak to this guy, he, he wasn't like, Philip, I want you to do this uh, for me. But he's, just, he's like, I want you to do this with me. And never forget that because when God calls you, it's to do something with him. And that's very important. So Philip understood that and he lived with the confidence of God's presence and when God told him to go meet that Ethiopian, he was ready to testify. So here's what he did, verse 30. Philip ran up to the chariot, and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet, and he asked him, do you understand what you're reading? Verse 31, the, the Ethiopian answered him and said, how can I? How can I understand this unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him in the chariot. Now, let me refresh this whole picture for you. Remember, Philip is in Samaria. This place is happening, right? He's got this great ministry going on there. He has a lot of people. All of his friends are there. Uh, his ministry is great. And God calls him to walk 165 miles down into the desert of Gaza because he is preparing one guy, just one guy that he wanted Philip to meet. Sometimes God redirects our plans. Sometimes God alters our circumstances. Sometimes God even allows for us to go through an unpleasant time or, or maybe even some suffering because he wants us to meet one person that he has prepared. Let me say something to you today that I don't want you to forget, but here's, here's the truth. What is happening to you right now may not be about you. It may be about somebody else that God is putting into your path or that he is allowing you to meet because of what you're going through. And that is the way that God works. So you've got this guy, this Ethiopian eunuch, who had been preparing. Uh, God had been preparing. And now God connects him with Philip. God has been preparing some of you as well. I know there's some of you that are, on this, this, uh, that are listening to this message right now. And you maybe have not fully given your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. That's okay. We're glad that you're here. And I'm so glad that you're listening in. But God may have connected you to us today because uh, of his perfect plan for you. See, you may have some questions about God. You may have some questions about the Bible. You may have some questions about church. And all of those questions are okay. It's your searching uh, to understand the truth. And God connected you with us today so that you might be able to fill out a connection card, ask us a question, or maybe just listen in and discover the truth uh, for yourself. One day on a flight from Baltimore to uh, Denver, and uh, I, I'm so, I, so, I so love saying this because, you know, every good preacher has an airplane story. Do you, ever, do you ever realize that? Every great preacher has this airplane story. And there's always something that happens on an airplane because they're sitting beside someone, and, and it's this exchange that happens. We, we call it the vocation exchange, right? You sit down next to someone, and all of a sudden you look over and say, so what do you do? And the guy says, well, I'm this, like, executive for, you know, the Fortune 500 companies for the whole Western Hemisphere. And then it's like, and, and what do you do? You know, and as soon as people find out that you're a preacher, the conversation either stops or it erupts. And so I, I was so excited to just say today, I have an airplane story. So I'm going to tell you. I was on this flight, Southwest flight. We were leaving Baltimore, flying to Denver. 
to one of my classes, and I'm sitting next to this woman. And we did this vocational exchange. So what do you do? And when she found out that I was a preacher, the conversation erupted. And she began to unload and unpack this, this uh, messy divorce that she was going through at the moment, asked me a lot of questions, and I don't remember all the details of the conversation, but I had an opportunity to talk to her about Christ and even pray with her. In aisle 38, we prayed. And uh, I do remember her saying after that, she said, I believe that God had me on this flight today so I could meet with you. Now, all of that is to say, um, when God places his spirit on you and sends you on a mission to be his witness, he will be putting people in your path. He will be allowing you to meet people because he wants you to be that witness to them. Don't miss the appointments. By the way, that is exactly why we're here. I have said this many, many times here at Grand Point, but you and I are not in this earth to consume resources and live a comfortable life. That is not why we're here. No, God has you here for a purpose. You are to be his witness. The very first uh, part, the very first word of the great commission that has been given to all believers is the word go. It's not stay. It's not be, you know, be silent. It is to go and be a witness. That is exactly why we're here. Now, next Sunday, I'm going to bring you a message also from the book of Acts. We're going to continue this series in the book of Acts because there is so much more about the church that I want to tell you that we have to talk about. So we're going to continue uh, through the book of Acts for the entire summer. However, we are going to rename the series and we're going to call it Live Sent. Live Sent. Because that's what you're called to do. Remember, God has not called us to stay. God has not called us to sit. God has called us to go. We are a movement. That, the church is a movement that you belong to. So we're sent. And every place that we go, God is preparing people uh, that you and I will be able to meet and, and uh, talk, about, talk about him. We live sent. Well, so now Philip is in the chariot with this Ethiopian. And the text was he, he was reading was a quote from Isaiah chapter 53, which was written almost 800 years before Jesus was born. Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah would be like a lamb uh, led to the slaughter. He would be wrongfully accused of crimes he did not commit. And all the while, he would not even open his mouth. And this all came true. I mean, it came true to the letter. When Jesus stood before Pilate and was being accused of all of these heinous crimes, uh, and even, even though he hadn't done them, he sat there silent. He did not speak. Did you ever wonder why Jesus did not say something? Why didn't he open his mouth? Why didn't he defend himself? But he said nothing. Now, I don't want you to lose that thought, nor do I in any way want to make light of this most significant moment in the life of Christ. But have you ever seen the video called The Christmas Bird? You've got to see this. Watch this. I got a nephew that I think a lot of, and he works for this oil company, and about four years ago they moved him down to South America, and I ain't seen him since. But he still thinks about me and Mont Crabapple. Every Christmas he sends us a nice present. This past Christmas he sent us a live bird. Green bird about this tall. Had a little yellow top notch on his head with some red on it, a hook beat, and sent it to us live from South America. I'll tell you something. That bird was delicious. <laughs> yes, sir. 
We had him for Christmas dinner. We fixed him with some dressing and some cranberry sauce, <laughs> sweet potato scuffle. Well, after Christmas, my nephew called. He wanted to know if we got the bird. I said, we got him. Well, how we liked him. I said, he was delicious. <laughs> he said, you don't mean you eat that bird. I said, well, of course we did. Well, my nephew got all upset and just pitched a fit. He said, I paid a fortune for that bird. He said, that thing's worth a fortune. He said, that bird could speak two different languages. I said, well, he should have said something. So why didn't Jesus say something? When he was being falsely accused, there's a part of me that reads this, and my heart just screams out, Jesus, defend yourself and say something. But he didn't. In reference to his conviction and crucifixion, and all that happened in that moment, my mind goes to this old hymn that says he could have called. He could have called 10,000 angels to set him free. But he didn't. He didn't even speak. He remained silent. And here's why he was silent. See, when you're being accused in a court of law for something and you make no response, what are you conceding to? Guilt. You're conceding to guilt. Jesus was conceding to guilt, but it wasn't his guilt because he didn't have any. When Jesus remained silent during his accusations, he was consenting to my guilt. He was, he was going to be wounded for my transgressions. He was going to be beaten and bruised for our sins. And that's why he remained silent. Now, when Philip was explaining this, um, or when the eunuch was, was reading this, you know, Isaiah didn't say who this was talking about. It didn't even mention the name of Jesus. So in verse 34, the eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who's the prophet talking about? Is he talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? Can I tell you one of the reasons why he really wants to know? See, there was a sign in the front door of the outer court of the temple that said, no lame, no blind, and no eunuchs may enter here. This Ethiopian was asking the same question that people all around us are asking. And they're asking this question, and they're saying, because of my past, because of what I have done, because of my lifestyle choices, is there any way that Jesus would even accept me? Is there any way, is there any way that I could even be accepted by the church? I know, I love how Philip responds. He responds in verse 35. Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture, and he told him the good news about Jesus. Remember, this is the Old Testament book of Isaiah. And in the same section of Scripture from which the eunuch was reading, chapter 53, Isaiah said three chapters later in verse 56, Let no eunuch complain that I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me, and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And when the eunuch heard this truth, man, it gripped his heart and he accepted the gift of Jesus and he was baptized as a declaration of his new life. Now, the reason that this is so significant is because the ancient historian Eusebius says that this eunuch, this very eunuch right here that we just talked about, and this whole band of soldiers went on to plant the very first church in Africa. 
Before there was even a white Western European convert in Acts, we have a thriving church that is now meeting in the capital of Africa. Every once in a while, you hear someone say that Christianity is this Western thing, but it's not necessarily true. And by the way, Africa right now is one of the largest growing areas uh, for Christianity in the world. Now, what does this have to do with us? I know that we're not living in the book of Acts anymore, but there's so much that has happened in the book of Acts. There's so many things that have, that have launched here uh, that, that I think we, we have to recognize that we're definitely living in a time when the church that was established in the book of Acts should be, can be, and must be making a difference in the world around us. And here are a few truths that I want to leave you from this story. A few truths that you need to take home with you because uh, this story is so significant in how God has designed his church to make a difference in the world. The first truth is this. You, your place is not a destination for your comfort, but it is God's provision for your mission. Remember, what may be happening to you may not be about you. God may have you at a place where you never thought you would be. God may have you a place that you don't even like being. God may have you in a circumstance right now that is very, very uncomfortable. God may have you at a hospital where you're sitting with a loved one and you have opportunities now to meet other people and be an influence exactly where you are. See, someday God is going to put someone in your mind that he wants you to meet. God is just going to show you that person that is prepared for you to testify to them. Oh, this is beautiful how this works because it's so much, it's so far beyond what you and I would even plan or even think to do. Uh, God's going to ask you to stop by their house, maybe to climb up into their chariot and ask them some important life questions. I'll never forget the day that my daughter Lindy, who is also a member here at Grand Point Church, uh, my daughter Lindy went to a park just to have her devotional time. So she's at the park sitting there reading her Bible. And she looks across the park and she sees this girl sitting on a swing. And God's spirit prompted her to go and speak to that girl. She resisted a little bit because it's what we do, right? When God prompts us, we're like, nah, that's not me. That's not for me. But God's spirit kept prompting her to go speak to that girl. So she did. She went over to this girl that she never met, never saw before in her life. And she said, God just told me to come over here and speak to you. Is there something going on in your life right now that I can pray about? And immediately this girl broke down. She broke down in tears and she began to unpack this big boyfriend drama. I mean, it, real life kind of stuff, right? But it was real to her. And so Lindy just listened and Lindy talked and then Lindy prayed with her and then she left. Lindy went back to the place where she was reading her Bible. This girl got in her car, drove away and, and a couple minutes later she came back. And when she came back, she walked over to Lindy and she said, I just had to go and cash my paycheck. And she said, I want to give you something because God put you in my life today to make a difference. And she handed her an entire paycheck, 600 some dollars, just gave it to Lindy. And then she left. Now, I can't promise you a paycheck story, a whole paycheck story. But what happened right here with the Ethiopian and the eunuch, or that with Philip and the eunuch, was even more significant. This was not only a whole paycheck result, but this was a guy coming to know the Lord as his Savior and having eternal life as a result of Philip's obedience to go. See, your place, your place is not a destination for your comfort, but it is God's provision for your ministry. Don't miss the opportunity. The second thing I want to leave you with today is this. 
Your opinion does not change lives, but God's truth does. Uh, Philip began right with the scriptures. He was right there. He, he, was, he leaned into what the, the, the eunuch was reading, picked up right from there. And I don't think that's insignificant that the text mentions that. And then just took him through the text and told him the story of Jesus, even from the book of Isaiah. But Philip knew it. He knew the scriptures. He knew how to explain it in a way that put the spotlight on Jesus. You don't have to have an opinion about the Bible. You just have to have knowledge of the truth, and it will make a difference. Your passion and opinion might rally a whole crowd of passionate people around a fleeting cause, but God's truth can transform the heart of one person who will influence others for eternity. Let me ask you the question, can you, like Philip, tell somebody the good news about Jesus? Do you know the story that you can even tell it? I want to give a big thank you today to all of those who told their story or testified throughout this series. A thank you to Andy and Kathy and Gabriel and Susan for your testimonies throughout this series. I so appreciate your willingness to do that. And it made a difference. Your stories made a difference in someone's life. But let me just say this to all of you. Every single one of us has a story. If you are a Christian, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have an absolute marvelous rescue story to tell. You have a miracle story to tell. The question is, are you telling it? Who are you telling about Jesus? Where is your testifying happening? Now, I want to, I want to encourage you with this because I know how this works. I mean, we, we get so caught up in life and there's so many other things that grab our attention that sometimes this takes a back burner if it even takes a burner at all. But I want you to know that God put you here to testify, to be a witness, and your life can make a difference to one person, and that one person can make a difference to the rest of the world. Don't miss. Don't miss the opportunity. Well, next Sunday, we're going to come back, and we're going to jump into Acts chapter 9, and we're going to see an amazing, amazing conversion story uh, from, the, from, from Saul uh, being converted to the apostle Paul. And this is a turning point in the book of Acts where we now see the gospel leaving Jerusalem and going to some other places. But we're also going to spend some time next Sunday with communion. We're going to take some time and just worship the Lord through our communion at home. There's going to be some more music uh, that's going to be happening through our service. The message will be a little bit shorter. I promise you it will be shorter. And then we're going to just do a few other things. And I'm going to uh, just begin this Live Sense series with you. And it's going to be amazing. And maybe there will even be some more details uh, that I can tell you about um, our regathering. But even before that, before that uh, is Wednesday evening when you're going to come here to the drive through and we hope to get to see you then and uh, just be a part of your lives and connecting with you. Hey, let me pray for us as we wrap this up today, and then the team's going to come back and just lead us in a wrap-up uh, of some music that brings all of this to, to a close for us. Let's pray together. God, today it is so good to be here. It is so good to be in your Word and to read about the amazing, dramatic things that have happened through the book of Acts in the beginning of this, uh, the, the sent people, uh, the people that are known as the church, and the difference that it has made in the world. God, it is so exciting to think that we can be difference makers. When the, we'll receive power in our lives when the Holy Spirit comes on us and we'll be witnesses to a world that so desperately needs to know about you. 
And God, thank you for, again, bringing this book to us and uh, these fresh reminders of who we are and what we've been called to do. God, help us to fulfill our purpose. Help us to live sent as uh, we testify for you. In Jesus' name, amen.